the first Sunday of 2019. All the new year, new you, bullcrap is in full effect. And according to statistics, over 37% of you have already blown your New Year's resolution. <laughs> I'm not really a resolution kind of guy. But I am a New Year kind of guy. I, I love fresh starts. I love goal setting. I love dreaming. I love chasing dreams. I, I love going after what I like to call that black sheep life, man, going after that life that is contrary to what everyone else is doing and what society says you ought to do, and living life with everything that you are. I love New Year. It's the holidays, the end of the year, one of my favorite times of the year, and I just love the beginning of the year. I'm the guy that goes out and gets a fresh journal and a fresh pack of pens. Man, I love to write in them and look back over the years, everything I've written. And it's an exciting time. And here's what I want you to do. As I was preparing for this series, I began to pray through it and reflect about what I should talk about. And I do that with every series, but I'm not one of these pastors who's going to get up every Sunday and tell you, this is the greatest series I've ever taught. And this series is going to be the most life-changing series you've ever heard. I do believe the Bible's life-changing, and I believe if you apply the principles, man, they will always change your life. And I believe that everything I teach around here, I feel led in a direction to teach that. But I'm telling you this series, I felt led to teach. As I began to pray about it a few months ago, I begin to have this on my heart, and I begin to think about what is the number one thing that people can do to change their lives. And in the past, I've done New Year's series, and we've talked about every aspect of your life, your spiritual life, and your physical life, and your financial life, and I've given you tips. But I wanted to take one month and truly break down the number one thing that can be a game changer in your life. I, I, I wanted to talk about the number one thing that with everything that is in me, I believe keeps people from living the life they were created for. And here's what I want to ask of you. And again, I, I, if you're new here, this probably seems like preacher talk, but you just don't know me very well. I get that life happens. I'm not one of those preachers, and I will never be one of those preachers who beats you up because you miss a Sunday. Because guess what? I like to miss a Sunday every now and then. I, I realize that, man, we work hard, and we work hard, and the weekends are crazy. And, and, and I realize that gathering together in a church setting for so many people is not high on their priority list. So I get it. So I get that I see some of you, and I'm not going to see you again for three, four weeks. That's the way it goes. I'm never going to be that Baptist pastor who says, Bless God, if you love Jesus, you'll be in the house of God on Sunday morning or you'll burn in hell. I'm not going to be that guy. It's just not me. But here's what I want you to do. Commit to being here for this series. This is one of the series that you can go online and listen to on the podcast, and you're going to miss so much out. Let me go ahead and go ahead and tell you this ahead of time. It's not going to be the most exciting series that we've ever done. It's not going to be the raw, raw, and go to the gates of hell with a water gun sermon series that we've ever done. 
But I believe it's going to be one of the most practical series that we've ever done that has the ability to change your life like nothing else. We're going to be talking about the number one thing that keeps people from living the life they were created for. We're going to talk about the number one thing that keeps people from being successful and winning in life. Now, that being said, success and winning in life are different for every person. Society says success and winning is he who dies with the most toys wins. I love toys. And I'm a motivated guy in that type of areas. So I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I'm saying is everybody's different. Success for you might not be becoming a millionaire. Success for you might be working a job that gives you the flexibility to devote all your time and all your energy and all your extra thing into your children. Success for you and winning for you might be a life that you and your spouse get to travel all over the country. I don't know what success is for you, and I don't know what winning is for you, but you do. And if you don't, between now and next Sunday, because today's going to kind of be a foundational message, and I'm going to get into the real practical stuff starting next week, I would encourage you, and if you have a spouse, to start praying with that spouse about what winning and what success looks for you. Because here's the if you don't know what a win is, how do you put a plan together to get there? I love, I think I've used this illustration before, one of my favorite cartoons, I used to be the, I used to love the Sunday morning comics. I don't even know if they're still in the Sunday paper, the Sunday comics. And I loved the peanut, the, you know, the Charlie Brown cartoons. And I love, one time I saw it, and Charlie Brown is shooting a bow and arrow at a fence. And was it Lucy that was always grumpy and negative? Lucy comes up and she goes, you don't have a target. On the fence, how do you know what you're shooting at? And his response was, this way I never miss. And that's how some of you are living your life. You have no target. So you wonder why you can't achieve the things you envision in life and you want to do for whatever success and whatever winning is for you, but you have no target. So we're going to talk about the number one thing, and I make this clear, there's a lot of things that are keeping you from winning in life, whatever winning is for you. But I do believe, without a doubt, there's number one principle. There's one principle that if we can grasp it, will literally be a game changer in our lives. Studies show that the number one reason that people do not live a life they envision living is because they do not have financial freedom. And just like that, the air gets sucked out of the room because people get funny when you talk about money. Here we go. We're going to feed into every stereotype that everyone has about church. Here's my deal with this series. My promise to you is I'm not going to talk one second about giving. I know that's earth-shattering because every time you hear preachers talk about money, it's about giving. My promise to you is I'm going to talk to you about receiving. How to change your financial future where you can change your life. Did you know that studies show the number one reason for divorce is financial pressure? Studies show 
That this is a mind-blowing stat. 91% of people in life, if money wasn't an issue, would have a different job than they have today. Studies show that the number one stress people have as it pertains to their children growing up is financial stress. Studies show that the number one reason for suicide is financial stress. I am convinced with everything that is in me that if we learn biblical financial principles... And let me go ahead and burst your bubble for everyone who says we shouldn't be talking about this in church. This book talks all about it. I'm going to overload you on scripture to show you these biblical principles throughout this series. And I'm telling you that if you put in the work, the work will work. I'm telling you that if you put in the time, it will pay off and you will change your life. Now, here's the deal. This is not going to be a quick fix because you didn't get in the financial mess you're in quickly. We live in a microwave society where we want to spend years and years and years getting in bad financial shape. And we want to fix it in a month and we get frustrated and discouraged. For some of you, it might take three months. For some of you, it might take three years. But in the grand scheme of things, what is three years for the rest of your life? Dave Ramsey, probably the greatest, and I'm going to be talking about Dave Ramsey a lot. If you've never heard of Dave Ramsey, I encourage you to go Google him. Um, he's probably the, the, the number one authority on financial freedom, and he just so happens to be a Christian. And imagine this, all of his principles go back to the Bible because the Bible talks a lot about financial freedom. Dave Ramsey loves to say, why don't you live like no one else for three months, 12 months, 36 months? So the rest of your life, you can live like nobody else. We live in a day and time where society says, if you want it, go buy it. Don't worry about when you're going to pay for it. Run the credit cards up and buy the car you can't afford and buy the house you can't afford and spend, spend, spend. And then we wonder where all the stress is coming from in our life. The stress is coming from our finances. I'm convinced if we can learn to manage our money, we can change almost every facet of our life. Now, here's the issue when it comes to financial stress. The answer for most people is, I just need to make more money. Nope. Now, don't get me wrong. I love making money. I got side hustles everywhere trying to make money. My wife and I have been talking about some very large financial goals that we have for 2019. I am all about doing whatever we can to make as much money as we can. I got 737 kids. I got kids that ain't my kids that I'm raising. I don't ever know. Some of you come home. Anybody got a spouse and you don't ever come home and they brought home another stray dog or a stray cat or anything like that? Anybody got that spouse? I don't have that spouse. I had that spouse and I don't ever know if I'm going to come home and she's brought home a stray kid. So here's the deal. I got to have financial goals because my wife thinks she can raise every kid in the county. This weekend, it's not enough that we have five regular kids. We had four other kids. We had nine kids at one time at our house all weekend. And then my wife knows how I feel about it, so she, she won't even ask me. She won't even, here's what she, she texts me. Friday, she's like, hey, you have a problem with these two other kids staying another night? 
Five years ago, I, I, men, can I get an amen on this? Don't be quite cowardly if you're sitting next to your wife. Okay? Men, sometimes they just beat you down so much you don't even argue. Somebody say amen. amen. She sent the text. Can they stay? And I was like, sure. I wasn't mad about it. I wasn't frustrated. But I just knew if I was mad about it, if I was frustrated about it, what does it matter? You just got to take that licking and keep on ticking. You know what I mean? So I care about making money. But here's the deal. If you have bad financial principles in your life, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're still going to be broke. That's why we see all these athletes going bankrupt, all these musicians going bankrupt, all these actors going bankrupt. All it is is another zero. I make 100000 If I could just make a million, I'd be okay. No, you wouldn't because instead of a $150,000 house, you'd have a $1.5 million house. Instead of a $25,000 car, you'd have a $150,000 car. It's just another zero. And people with bad financial principles and people who don't, who don't know how to make, manage their money, listen, the problem is not how much money they make, it's how much money they spend. We do not have a money problem. We have a spending problem. You can make all the money in the world, and if you don't know how to manage what you have, you'll never have anything. (laughs) Most people don't have a money problem. They have a spending problem. To put that into simple layman terms, what that means is, is that most people's financial issues, and this is groundbreaking and earth-shattering, and it's going to blow your mind at its simplicity. Most people have financial issues, because check it out, check it out. They spend more than they make. Oh. We got people making $30,000 a year, and they're living like they make $60,000 a year. And we got people who make $60,000 a year, and they're living like they make $150,000 a year. We live our lives buying things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. And then we look back and we wonder why we are enslaved to our finances. I'm here to tell you today the greatest principle in your life The number one thing that can change your marriage, that can change your children, that can change your future, that can change your passion, that can change your purpose, that can change your calling, that can help you live the life that you feel called to live is for you to learn sound financial principles, sound biblical principles. And this book talks a lot about it. The key is not always making more money. No, I'm going to talk about how you can make more money during this series. The key is for us to learn to control what we make. It's a game-changing concept. You learn how to manage your money, and you can change your future. (laughs) You would think an issue this big, where debt... Is the overriding factor, it doesn't matter if you're the church in the ghetto like Action Church or you're the church out by the country club, the number one debt and every, the number one issue in every church among the people and the number one stress among the people sitting in the seats, no matter if they say it's marriage, their children, or whatever, it can always be traced back at the root nine times out of ten. It's about finances. We become enslaved to American Express. We become enslaved to MasterCard. 
We work to pay for what we bought three years ago. We think because the bank financed us, we must be doing good. So that $20,000 car, did you know you can get a car loan now for eight years? What? That $20,000 car ends up being a $65,000 car because here's the deal. You weren't worried about how much the car cost. You were worried about how much the monthly payment was. Ain't going to be a lot of amens today. Y'all know my story. I ain't told this story in a while. So I was about 21 years old. I was at a revival. Revival. Y'all don't know anything about revival. Let me rephrase that. Man-made revival. The old school churches would schedule it once a year. Because you schedule when God's going to move, you know. And I remember showing up, and I, I drove my little pastor around because I was this little boy, you know. I got saved, and God saved me out of wildness. And he's like, oh, that's my poster boy. He's going to go everywhere, and he's young, and he's going to travel everywhere with him. And I was sitting on the front row, my preacher's preaching. And he's, he was old school. I'm talking about, I told you, he's like five foot four Cherokee Indian. He's screaming, hollering. He ain't go over to the pit and say, you're going to fry my big head. <laughs> he was just intense. And he preached against everything. I mean, he'd get, he said, you're listening to your rock and roll music. And this old man on the front row, I'm talking about he had to be 90 years old. He had them big old coke rim glasses. I mean, they were that thick. He'd stand up every time. I hadn't been in church long now. I hadn't seen. And he'd stand up and he'd say, stand close, preacher. Stand close. I guess that was a good thing. Because every time he'd stand up and say, stand close, my little Cherokee Indian pastor would get up and hammer something else. It's somebody out there smoking your cancer stacks in the back of every mistake. He'd stand up. Stand close, preacher. Stand close. He preached against drugs and alcohol and smoking and short skirts. I mean, this was 20-something years ago, you know. And every time the old man would stand up and say, stand close, preacher. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Then I hear say, and some of you out there, you out whoring around with people that you ain't married to. And that old man, 90-something years old, he stood up and said, you're standing too close, preacher. You're standing too close. For some of you, we're going to be standing too close today. Ain't going to be a lot of amens in this series. Because you're the person who financed it for eight years because you wanted a car payment under $200. You're the one who financed your vacation. That $1,500 vacation ended up being $8,000 because you deserved it. People get funny when you talk about money. So ain't going to be a lot of amens during this series. Ain't going to be a lot of hooping and hollering during this series. Ain't going to be a lot of screaming and shouting during this series. But I'm telling you that come February 3rd, that's a Sunday, this will be a life-changing series if you put it into action. I haven't taught a series on how to handle your finances. I looked the other day in six and a half years. 
I've taught some sermons on money and talked about giving, but I'm talking about an entire series where we break everything down. And you would think if this was that big of an issue in the church, that the church would talk about it a lot, but they don't. Because the church in general has one of two mindsets normally when it comes to the church. There's a, there's, there's a group of churches that have this mindset. Money is everything. Money's everything. It's all about how much you give and how much you make and how fancy your cars are and how fancy the building is. And if you're rich, it's because God chose to bless you. And there's two basic needs. You understand this. There's two basic needs that every human has. Security and significance. And so what these churches do is they play on those two things. If you have money, then that will provide you security. But everybody knows that when the recession hits and the money's gone, the security's gone. And significance. Those things will provide for you. And if you have this mindset about money, it will lead to nothing but disappointment and frustration. In churches with this mindset, normally what happens is there's tons of people who have money and they're treated different. And then there's people who don't have money, and those people who don't have money are made to feel guilted because they don't have money. And this is known what is called the prosperity gospel. God loves you, so he blesses you, and by blessing we mean he enables you to have money. Now, there's another mindset in a lot of churches, and that is the money is nothing mindset. You find this in a lot of more rural churches, our country churches, our very old school type churches, and it's the opposite. They believe money is literally nothing. Matter of fact, they believe money's evil. If you have money, it's because you must be crooked. If you have money, it's because you got it in some unethical way. You don't have to worry about money. Don't God just provides? And make no mistake about it, God provides. But the Bible talks a lot about good stewardship. The Bible talks a lot about planning. The Bible talks about ha- a lot about making sure we have a plan for our money. <laughs> the problem with the mindset of money's nothing is it ignores the fact that, listen to this, 15% of all the teaching Jesus did, 15%, is about finances. I did not say it was all about giving. I said it was about finances. Jesus talked more about money than he did prayer and faith combined. I wonder why. Because he knew we'd have an issue with money. The very first church I ever pastored, one of the deacons came up to me after the service one time, and he said, hey, you want to go grab some dinner after the service? And I I wasn't trying to pour. I just, I said, money's a little bit tight right now. We can't afford it. I'll never forget what he looked at. He laughed and said, yeah, we'll keep you poor. So it keeps you praying. Okay. I really want to say F you because what you're doing is I got two kids that I can't feed. And that's okay, I'm about to lose my house. But you keep me poor, I can keep praying. And that's okay. And God always provided. This is called the poverty gospel. It's called the poverty gospel. We believe that money's bad. Having money will keep you from being holy. <laughs> you know, it's just that mindset. Now, here's the deal. As with most things in the church, both mindsets are wrong. Because the church is the king of extreme. We go from one side to the other, and normally what you'll find is if you open up the Bible, the proper mindset is found right in the middle. So what I want to do today is I just am simply going to lay a foundation for you about what money is. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to get real, real practical with you. Next week, I am going to show you biblically, step by step, 
Ooh, baby. No. Um, gotta get to you. Yeah. I know about new kids on the block. Don't hate. Listen, I'm going to show you step by step. Biblically, only about 30 people are old enough here to remember new kids on the block, or you're too old never to remember them. Um, I'm going to show you. Make sure that's edited out of the podcast, please. I'm going to show you step by step. I just want to go home now. Sometimes the Holy Spirit hits. And when the Holy Spirit hits, new kids of the block comes out. Listen, I'm going to show you step by step how to get out of debt. Because before you can do anything, you got to get rid of the debt you have. I'm telling you it'll be a game-changing message for you. But i got to lay a foundation first. Here's what you need to understand today. What you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. What you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. I'm going to read some scripture. It's a lot of scripture. Bear with me and we'll go back and break it down. Matthew 25 says this again. This is Jesus speaking. Again, it will be like a man getting on a journey, going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, one of his servants, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Don't miss that. We all have different skill sets, and we all have different abilities. That's my problem with us not defining what winning and success is. Some people, here's the deal, I'm not trying to be, some people do not have the skill set ever to be a multimillionaire. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means you just got to make sure you're managing your money where you don't have that mindset. If you're, if you're, if you're a one-bag person, then you can live your fullest life as a one-bag person. But a one-bag-of-gold person that's trying to live like a five-bag-gold person is a bad deal. So each to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. Put his money to work. Oh, by the way, not his money. <laughs> we'll get back to that. And gained five more bags. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold, so I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. You've been faithful in a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You learn sound financial principles. You learn how to manage your money when you're making $25,000 a year. And trust me, there'll be a day you're making $100,000 a year. Because... Those who do something with little normally go to the next level with something big. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So as I was afraid, when you get afraid with money, you're doomed for failure. And so many of you are afraid with your money because you don't understand sound, understand sound biblical principles. Your money's controlling you instead of you controlling your money. Good Lord, that's good preaching if a white boy is doing it today. I mean, we're just throwing out truth. This is one of those messages you need to go back because we're just slinging truth today. So I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. God can't stand lazy people. 
<laughs> That's a whole nother sermon. So you know that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I turned, I would have at least received back the interest. So, take the bag of, so he took the bag of gold from him and gave it to the one who had ten bags. For whoever, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three people were given money. What they believed about money, go back to that previous point, Xander. I know it's a few slides back, please. What they believed about money determined how they spent their money. Let me illustrate this way. I have a very bad mindset when it comes to money. I grew up with a dad who entrusted me and, and pushed into me to be a dreamer, to chase your dreams. When most kids were going out and working a little fast food restaurant, my dad said, why are you going to go do that? You're into comic books and baseball cards. Let's go open a comic book and baseball card store. So I've owned businesses my whole life. So I have a very bad mindset about money. I think it's very easy to make money. Money doesn't scare me. And because I think it's very easy to make money, guess what I'm very bad about doing? Spending money. I'm very bad. So I'm at this extreme. I'll spend and spend and spend because I'm like, when it's gone, I'll just make more. I'll go out of the money tree out in the back. That's just my mindset. You can ask Christine. It's very rare that I get stressed about money. I'm just like, oh, who cares? Oh, we're about out of money. I will make more. I, I just live with that mindset. That's not a good mindset to live. Now, the other extreme of that is my wife. My wife, through different situations, grew up where there wasn't a lot of money. and She grew up with a grandfather who is the tightest person you've ever met in your life with money. I'm not going to go much into her history, but also in her prior relationship, money was a big issue. There was never enough money. So because of her mindset about money, how she deals with money is she never wants to spend money. And if it gets below X in the account, she begins to get stressed out. And that's an interesting problem in a marriage. One guy, one guy who's like, hey, we'll just make more money. And another person's like, hey, man, we got to hold on to everything we got. Is she right or am I right? Neither of us are right. It meets in the middle. And neither of us are wrong. Let me make that clear. It's just what you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. So what we've got to do is we've got to change what we believe about money. And we have an improper understanding of money. We either had the mindset that it's a prosperity gospel or the poverty gospel. But we need to get back to a biblical thing. So what I'm going to do very quickly is just lay a foundation for you. Lay a foundation. Then we're going to go home, and next week we're going to get real, real practical. Let me give you three universal truths about money. The first thing is this. Everything I have belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. The Bible says in Psalms 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You have nothing. Let me make this as clear to you as I can. You have nothing apart from what God has given you. Nothing. The house you live in, you live in because God gave it to you. I worked for that car. I'm at house. God gave you that job that you worked. That car you drive, you might have thought you worked hard and did whatever you could to earn it. God gave you the skills to get that job, and God blessed you, and God gave it to you, and God will take it away from you. Right. My cars that I have are because God gave them to me. 
My clothes are because God gave them to me. I have nothing, you have nothing, apart from the grace of God. We tend to think we earned something and we worked for it. And we did earn it and we did work for it. But you earned it and you worked for it because God gave it to you. Don't miss this, don't miss this. According to your ability. Some of you are five bags of gold people. Some of you are two bags of gold people. Some of you are one bag of gold people. Now here, don't miss this. You say, well, God got mad at the one bag of gold. No, he didn't. He did not get mad at the one bag of gold person because he only had one bag of gold. He got mad at the one bag of gold person because the one bag of gold person did not understand biblical principles and what to do with the one bag of gold. There's no shame in being a one bag of gold person. Matter of fact, there's great pride in being a one bag of gold person if you're living on a one bag of gold principle. I know people who live on a one bag of gold ability and they live with one bag of gold principles who live a better life than five bag of gold people because there's five bag of gold people who are living like they're ten bag of gold people. Somebody say Amen. This isn't a matter of who's better and who's worse. We just all have different abilities. For example, Scott, stand up, Scott. Just stand up. Stand up for a second. Ability. Ability. Look at Scott. When you look at Scott and you look at me, you're like, you can sit down, Scott. You're like, man, God gave Gary the ability to be a good-looking dude, sexy and in shape and full of just awesomeness compared to Scott. It's ability. Scott can't help it. I'm just kidding. Scott's been under my path. I've been pastor Scott for 15 years, so I can use him as examples. We have no control in our ability. God gives them to us, okay? Everything we have belongs to God. God owns everything. Everything. God simply allows us to be a steward of what he's given us. And you can be a good steward who multiplies your five bags, who multiplies your two bags, or you can be a bad steward like the one bag person who deposits in the ground. So we've got to learn, in order to be good stewards, we've got to learn sound biblical principles. Everything I have belongs to God. This is important because remember, what you believe about money will determine how you look at money. So we've got to change our mindset about money. I don't care if you make $15,000 a year. In the very first year I was ever in ministry, I made $13,000. $13,000. And did you know that year that I had made $13,000, I lived very well? Because I lived in my principles of $13,000. How'd you do that? Well, it was 20 years ago. But I was smart with our money. I side hustled it. I always did all kinds. I lived within my principles. At that time in my life, I was a one-bag person. And just because you're a one-bag person does not mean you can't become a two-bag person or a five-bag person. Don't miss that. Okay? What I made last year is none of your business. But I can tell you this. It was a lot more than $13,000. What our household made. And here's what happens. People always love to talk when they think, my wife pulls up today in a 2019 Tahoe. Hold on, stop for a minute. Three different people. YJ was walking around with me, heard him. Must be nice. Well, first of all, it is nice, but second of all, it's a rental because someone hit our 10-year-old Tahoe at at the Buffaloes, and that's the rental the insurance company gave. And first of all, though, it's none of your business what I drive. Just like it's none of my business what you drive. (laughs) 
I'm in the process of becoming a millionaire. That's how I look at my life. So I can't wait to the day I pull up in a Tesla and get you all talking. Here's what you need to know. It didn't come from here. Our finances get audited every month here. So how that goes, it doesn't matter. But here's what you understand. Everything I have comes from God. When I moved to Canton 15 years ago, I used to drive my my grandfather who passed away, Buick. I would show up, start a church, and I'd meet with these business people, and I would park four businesses away. I don't know anything about cars, but you would turn it off, and it would take like five minutes to turn off. Like, you'd just be walking in the restaurant, you still hear it going, blah, 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 blah. So I'd get to every meeting five minutes early where no one could see my car. I get it. I've been there. By no means now do I live in some extravagant lifestyle. I live in the ghetto of Canton, two blocks from here. People say, oh, it's so awesome you've been here because you felt called. We did. But it was also all we could afford with 737 kids. Or how many did I say earlier? I can't keep up with them. Okay? But here's the deal. Everything I have belongs to God. You've got to realize that everything you have is because God gave it to you. In the story we read, all three of the people, the one-bag person, the two-bag people, and the five-bag people, guess why they had the one-bag, the two-bag, and the five-bags? Because the master gave it to them. It wasn't theirs. They had nothing. You and I have nothing. Not trying to burst your bubble. Okay? That's important. When you realize this, it, it begins to change everything. Because you realize God gave it to you, and God's always going to provide. If I lose it all tomorrow, guess what? And I have to move my family and 737 kids into a one-bedroom apartment. We'll move into a one-bedroom apartment. Because winners win and losers lose, and winners are always going to make it happen. And I'll become a one-bag person, and I'll bust my butt with my one bag where I can get back to two bags and five bags. I understand it all belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. So the question becomes, are you going to be a good steward with what you have? The second thing is this. God wants me, God wants us, to manage what he gave us, me. Because I don't like to be that preacher who preaches ashes and preach to me. So God wants me to manage what he gave me wisely. Whether God gave you one bag or two bags or five bags, you're responsible for how you manage what he gave you. The guy with five bags did what? Made five more bags. The person with two bags did what? Made two more bags. The person with one bag operated in fear and scarceness, went and buried their one bag. And in the process of not being wise with their one bag, when the master came back, the master took their one bag and gave their one bag to the person who had two bags and five bags. What did the person with the two bags and the five bags do? Listen, they didn't even make the money for themselves. They made it for the master. He gave them more. (laughs) You got to manage. What? Two doubled their money, one buried it. The one who buried his money was upset or upset the person who gave him the money to manage it. God does not bless us to simply sit on what we have. We're to manage what we have. Everything you have is a tool. Someone told me the other day, they said, God gave me, this blew my mind. They said, God gave me this minivan. I said, that's awesome. And I was fixing to crack a minivan joke. And before I could crack a minivan joke, you know what they told me? Now I can bring all these people that want to come to church to church. Oh, conviction. 
God gave us this house, and my wife had this crazy idea when we moved in this house. She said, now we can start having people over to our house. I said, why would you ever do something like that? I don't understand. She said, because I love to let people come over and hang out and do stuff. I said, now that sounds horrible. Why would you do that? And now all the time, people at our house hanging out. And guess what? I, I don't think it's as horrible anymore. People have been ministered to her. And, and guess what? We've been able to take all the strays in that she brings in and all the stuff. And it just works out phenomenal. Why? Because God gave us a tool. We've managed what we have. Whatever you have, I don't care if, I don't even know what minimum wage is. It, is it $10 an hour? Well, that's too hard to complicate times 40, so we're going to do 10. So I don't care if you make $10 an hour, you work 40, and all you have is $400 a week. I can't live like that. Yeah, you can. You might not be able to live the way you want to live, but you can live that way. Can't even afford rent with that. Yeah, you can. You might have to find a roommate. You might have to watch where you go out to eat. You might have to watch what kind of car you drive. You have to manage what you have. Because when you manage what you have, God's going to come along and say, Bam, they did really good with that one bag. Let me give them two bags. And then five bags. We live in a generation, I hate this. I hate when I say this. Because I feel like I hate that I've reached this age. But you young kids out there, <laughs> your problem is you're in your early 20s and you're a one-bagger. But you're trying to live like you're a five-bagger because your parents are five-baggers. But you didn't realize it took them 30 years to become five-baggers. And now you're trying to live today. And you don't understand why you're broken, why you're in debt. Because, see, see, you missed, you missed the process to get there. <laughs> I was on a podcast recently. I do a lot of promoting and a lot of events. And this person made the comment to me, the podcaster. He said, I feel like you've come out of nowhere. He said... These events you do everywhere I turn. It's Gary Lamb and Gary Lamb and Gary. He goes, you're an overnight success. And I said, yeah. I've been in this town 15 years. I'm an overnight success 15 years in the making. They missed the process. The, before I lived here, there's not a person here that remembers this. You know why no one remembers it? Because there were 72 people there. Before I ever moved here, I rented out Brown Park because I was fixing to launch a church, and I held a big concert and a 5K race in a big kids area, and I thought thousands of people were going to show up. And 72 people showed up. Before I ever moved here, I was promoting events. Then I started a church, and we built that church on events. It's just kind of in my nature. I do events. So I'm not an overnight success. See, in order to see the overnight cessation, that's an insult. That implies luck, and you got to have a little bit of luck along the way. But you miss all the work. I'm 42 years old. That 42? I, I don't even mean this gloom and doom. I've probably lived more than I will live. I, I'm not going to make it to 84. Someone will shoot me before then. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I saw some guy leave Matt a few minutes ago, punch the wall when he walked out. It's like, I don't ever know. That's why I got security out there. Take him down in 2.3 seconds. You know, I, I hate when he's here because, believe it or not, I didn't even know he was going to run sound. I had him as a sermon illustration. We all love Rich Ward, don't we? I yeah. all love him. 
super nice guy. Been playing guitar in bands all around. And literally, I saw this on Facebook. This year, he had, I, to me, I think this would be an honor. I, I don't know. I'm not a guitar player. I wish I was. Um, but he made the cover of Guitar Player Magazine. The cover! And so, I don't think I've ever told Rich this, but I have Rich Ward set up as a Google alert on my Google. Meaning, anytime a news article or a tweet or a fa- anytime something comes, it comes to me. I like to read, he's my friend. And someone wrote an article about it, and I, I, it was right when the article got published, so there's only one comment. And the comment to it was this. Who's this guy? He came out of nowhere. I'm thinking, no, he didn't. He's been putting it in for years. He's been living life like nobody else for years. I tell him all the time, I said, you don't know how you should make, become, make millions? You should write a book called The Real Life of a Rock Star. I don't, I don't think I'm being insulted. Lives in a, drives a 15-year-old car and lives in a beautiful home, but nothing extravagant. And, and his wife still works, and he's still out there doing side hustles. And all. Why? Because he has a life that he wants to live. And he's willing to live his life in a way that allows him to live the life that he wants to live. I have people ask me all the time, how did you get to live this life? I say, here's how I got to live this life. I managed what I had, but I never allowed debt to consume me. And there's nothing wrong. So I've got to be super. But for me, I never bought the $400,000 car. I mean, $400,000 home. I never had the $60,000 car. I never got all the credit card debt. I never did all those things. I did years and years ago and paid for it. I'm talking about now. So it allows me to live the way that I choose to live. Here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with all those things. But for me, it's more important to be able to do what I want to do. I don't want to work nine to five. I don't want to go sit in an office. I don't want to go, I don't want to get a paycheck on the first and fifteenth. I want to be able to come obviously, let's go to the beach. Let's go here. I choose to say no to a lot of things where I can say yes to a lot of things. I manage what God has given me wisely. Some of you could live the exact same way in whatever way you choose to live if you learn to manage your money wisely. I gotta get out of here. God wants me to manage what He gave me wisely. I read this this week. When the re- this blew my mind. When the recent tax cuts were announced, Trump announced tax cuts. Consumer revolving debt instantly shot up over one trillion dollars. We decided to put our future tax savings on credit cards. We spent it before we ever had it, and we wonder why we don't have any money. Hey, I was reading another thing this week. I, I, it said people are in panic mode over the government shutdown because tax refunds could be delayed. Mm-hmm. It's a close to home, don't it? Standing too close, preacher. Here's the problem. Many of you have already spent that money before you ever got it, and that's why you're freaking out about it. I won't be back here. Okay, that's fine. You don't have good financial principles. When you're spending it before you got it, don't come whining when you're broke. You're living outside your means. You don't have a money problem. You have a spending problem. You don't realize that everything you have is because God gave it to you and that God gave it to you to manage wisely. 
I was talking to someone the other day, talking to someone the other day, and he's got this project going on here in town. He said, I'm working around the clock, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working. And he said, I'm not getting paid yet. And he said, but I know one day it's coming because with this work, he's taking a risk on himself. Awesome. And I thought to myself, how does he afford to do that? And as I walked away, I didn't even ask him. I said, he's getting to do that because he set himself up to be able to do that. He's managed what he has wisely. I don't know anything about his finances, so let me make that clear. But he, I'm, he's managing his two bags of gold wisely. That is now is allowing him to pursue his goals. And it could turn into five bags of gold. Because God wants him to manage what he gave him wisely. You need to learn to manage your money. And last, and we're going home. How I manage what I have matters forever. How I manage what I have matters forever. If I don't use it, I will lose it. The one bag of gold person lost is one bag of gold. I can only reap from what I've been willing to sow. I've got some business ventures that I've been, I've been sowing for three years. And they've paid off a little bit. They ain't paid off what they should have. Someone said, y'all ought to walk away from them. Why? I'm three years in now. I figured out what I've done wrong. I figured out how to make this work. I started listening to my wife. I think these things are going to, I'm going to reap from them this year. The problem with so many of your dreams is you give up too soon on them. I'm going to talk about that too in this series. I might talk about that in the next series. I'm going to talk about a series about following your dreams. When I manage what I have well, when I live within my means, when I'm saving wisely, when I'm giving generously, I wind up making a difference in the world around me. The number one people's thing, the number one thing people say they wish they could do with their life is they say they wish they could give more to the causes that they believe in. When you learn to manage your finances right, you're able to invest in whatever cause it is. Whether that's feeding orphans or doing this or giving to the church or helping the homeless or whatever it is. We learn, imagine if this group learned to manage their money. This church wouldn't have a financial need around here because it'd get met every time. The heart's always in the right place around here when there's needs. How sad that the heart wants to do something that we can't do physically, and the only reason we can't do it physically is because we haven't taken enough respect with our finances to manage them right. You have no one to blame but yourself. I was picking on Scott, but really, it's kind of like me and my physical body. I can gripe all day long about this and this and all that, but at the end of the day, for the last 10 years, I haven't really put anything into it to take care of it. So why can I get mad that it looks like this? Now I'm putting in the work, and holy smokes, the work's a whole lot harder than the getting fat. Man. It manages forever. When I manage what I have wisely and I invest in the things that matter, God blesses us with more responsibility, more impact. Here's the deal. I want every endeavor I do to prosper. Don't miss this. One of my goals in life, 
this is going to turn some of you off and you're never going to come to church again. That's okay. I changed my prayer years ago. I used to say, God, send us a millionaire. God, send us a millionaire. We need someone to help. I don't pray anymore. You know what I pray now? God, give me the tools to become a millionaire. I make no bones about the fact that I want to be a millionaire. But here's the deal. I don't want to be a millionaire to be rich. I, I live a pretty modest life, and I'm pretty happy with it. I want to be a millionaire where I can make a bigger impact for the kingdom of God. Sure you do. I do. If I was a millionaire, I got a couple of things I want. But for the most part, I just want to be able to help people. I want to be able to leave that $100 tip. I want to be able to write that check to that missionary who's going overseas. I want to see a need around here and be like, here, take it. Bam. I don't need to be a millionaire for me. My ego's big enough as it is. I don't, I, I, let, let's just look, I, it is what it is. I am confident. I know my abilities. It is what it is. I, I, I don't need to be validated by being a millionaire, but I want to be a millionaire. I'm making decisions today to put me in position to be a millionaire. Why? Because I want to make an impact for eternity. I want to make an impact. I want to teach my kids that they don't have to get in debt. So many of you, your children are struggling today because you've passed bad financial decisions down to them. How'd you like to break that chain? You can do it. It's not easy. The Bible says this. Do not store it for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store it for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Show me your bank account and I'll show you what's important to you. Our finances are a tell-all. We spend our money on what's important. We've got to have a proper understanding of how to manage finances. Again, the issue is not making more money. It's managing what you have. I'm going to get real, real practical starting next week. <laughs> Gary, this sounds so awesome. I get it. It sounds, it sounds, but it's too late for me. I'm in horrible financial debt. I'm in horrible financial stress. I wish if you'd have told me this before I got that, maybe it would have changed my life. No, 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 no. It would have changed your life now. But you'll have to work at it. You put in the work and the work will work. You, you make some lifestyle changes. Oh, I can't get into the sermon. I'm going to get into it later. I'm going to show you over the next couple of weeks how to get out of debt. I don't care how much debt you have. I'm going to show you how to get out of it. And I promise you with everything that is in me, if you work these biblical steps, it will change your life. Imagine if you had no debt. Imagine if you had no debt. Wow. I'm going to show you in this series how to set a budget. Super exciting stuff. But game-changing stuff. Because here's the problem with no budget. You're not telling your money where to go. It's telling you where to go. I'm going to show you how to make more money. I'm telling you this will be the most practical series you've ever heard. And it will change your life if you allow it. It will be a game changer in your life. Be honest with me today. 
How many of you, if your finances were in better order, the stress would be lower, relationships would be better, life overall would probably just put you in a better place? Anybody? Keep those hands up. All over the room. Keep them up. Don't be ashamed. Everybody else got their hand raised. If my finances were better, I'd be in a better place. Hmm. Sobering. You don't have a money problem. You got a spending problem. If you don't learn how to handle the money now, no matter how much money you make. How many of you have ever just hustled and hustled and worked all kinds of jobs, and at the end of it, you still have no money, and it's just so frustrating? Gary Lamb, king of this. But what if you started working hard and you started seeing results? I'm going to show you how to get those results. For those of you who think we shouldn't talk about this in church, sorry, not sorry. We're going to talk about it. If only five people show up next week, we're going to talk about it. Because I need to change my life in that area. We've got to regroup. We've done really good, but we kind of get off course on it. You've got to get a reminder. And those five people are going to change their life, and we'll start the whole church over and build it on good financial principles.